I have students or community members like, I know I'm supposed to say or share something. I feel it. I want to speak. I'm tired of not being heard. And I don't like the idea of singing at all. I don't like the idea of speaking at all. <laughs> Can we start there? <laughs> this is Healing Justice, a podcast bridging conversations at the intersections of collective healing and social change. I'm your host, Kate Warning, and this week we're talking about everything related to liberating our voices with the incredible B. Anderson. B is somebody who I have that absolute great fortune of getting to run into around the neighborhood. Um, B is running an incredible program right now called Song of the Spirit that is being housed at Third Root Community Health Center here in Dimmas Park, Brooklyn, which is my uh, healing practice home as well. And this institute is incredible. It's a learning community that's created to support the sustainability of the wisdom traditions, languages, and well-being of the African and indigenous diasporic community. The audio that you'll hear throughout this episode is a live recording that I picked up last week while hanging out with the class that is entering into the Song of the Spirit uh, six-week series together, kicking off their first class in Prospect Park just last week. Um, The sound was recorded in on a very lush and humid night after a day of rain and some kind of post-summer heat, looking out at an incredible um, lake and sunset and feeling the rustling of the wind and hearing the sound of the insects around us. So you'll hear all of those sounds when you hear the singing. And to sort of picture being with us, we welcome you to join us on our social media over on Instagram at Healing Justice to see images from that evening and be able to sort of place the sound in context. So a deep gratitude and honoring of the group that entered into uh, that work together last week. We hope that you have an incredibly blessed experience growing together through the Song of the Spirit course and are honored and humbled um, that you allowed us to accompany you and to share your voices here. So y'all, B goes by they, them pronouns, is a sound healer, a plant medicine steward, a story keeper, a contemplative teacher, a ritual leader, and a community organizer. Sometimes people send me bios or I read bios out in the world that have many words like that and you're like, okay, that's a lot of things. That can't be one person. But I'll tell you from knowing B that they are very much all of those things. B was the visionary behind Love Circle Sangha, is a member of Harriet's Apothecary, and is a member of the board for the engaged Buddhist activist organization called Buddhist Peace Fellowship. You can actually hear an episode with Buddhist Peace Fellowship on episode six, a way, way back throwback in the podcast. Actually, it might be episode five. I'm sorry to lose my memory around the episode numbers because we have so many now. Uh, When we talked to Katie Lonk about non-striving for activists. B combines their experience as a grassroots organizer and their life principles and practices to co-design community wellness strategies, transformative spaces, and generative healing modalities across the country. I'm excited about the the deep wisdom and um, ancestral rooting of this conversation that you're about to hear, combined with the real practicality of thinking about how do we liberate voice to speak up, to overcome silence, um, and also balance and harmonize our voices together in, uh, in a unified and disciplined struggle for justice. Um, and B has some of those answers or just better questions to guide us along the way. So here's my conversation with B. Anderson. Mm-hmm. Hey B. so glad you're here. Yeah, I'm really grateful. I am so excited for our listeners to be able to hear from you about this topic of voice and song Mm. that you have been so clearly practicing and also beginning to share more and more out in the community. And so it must have been like a month or two ago that you reached out to me and was like, hey, (laughs) 
Does this feel like it fits into the flow of what's mm. happening? Does it feel like something that's wanted here, mm. right? And of course, I was like, yes. But I'd love to just hear what inspired you to reach out and make this offering that you mm-hmm. so clearly feel called to be spreading mm-hmm. a little more actively right now, right? Mm-hmm. What is it with voice and song for you? Yeah, so I've been offering somatic sound healing since 2006. Six or seven was when I first started my voice studio hmm. called My Inside Voice. And in that process, I've learned so much about how this work is really a healing modality around some very complex trauma Hmm. and experienced that through my tutelage in opera and study since 10 years old. But I hadn't understood the depth of it until the last couple of years. Hmm. So I'd had deep healing moments in my experience as quote-unquote, a voice teacher, including moving family community in transition from M to F or F to M, who were honoring and wanting to hold space for the shift and change in voice and the ways in which their voices have been policed. But it wasn't until most recent and doing the work of Song of the Spirit, which came up as an idea and concept by my beloved teacher and so many others, Karen Rose, an invitation to connect plant medicine and sound and breath work and ancestral work all together. That I began to understand being in and with community doing this work together, it's necessity. Mm-hmm. How many of us in our love ships, in our family relationships, in our everyday, in our movement and organizing work, where we're not able to access our voice. Mm-hmm. And so being in the work of really exploring together what it looks like to excavate, heal, clear, open, liberate, more story, more Mm. truth, more expression. Mm. It's become definitely both my spiritual work and my movement work simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And very clear, like, okay, this is medicine that's required right now. Mm Mm-hmm. You know. mm-hmm. Yeah, when you talk about the ways that you were observing all different kinds of people mm-hmm. because of internalized oppression, because of mm-hmm. systemic oppression, like have blocks around mm-hmm. voice. When you notice something, mm-hmm. like what does it look or sound like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is great. Well, it's it was it's interesting because so scientifically, right? Part of the reason why people say they don't like to sing or they don't like to speak uh-huh. or they don't like to be recorded. Mm-hmm is A, because what happens when they hear their voice back, it's both that there's a change in pitch or oftentimes higher that communicates something to them around who they think they're becoming in their voice. So their voice, does it communicate anxiety, fear, vulnerability? And those judgments or experiences of our voice leave a mark or impression Now add that to a whole host of external Mm -hmm. (laughs) judgments, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Around what our voices sound like. Just the sound. I didn't even get to what we're saying. Uh Right? Uh Like if we're judging someone say, stop, don't come near me. I don't want, this is my boundary. I'm hurt by your words. I've, through my Dharma practice, understand that it's all of our conditioning and suffering that has co-created the response that might not be so wholesome, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Which Mm -hmm. is like um, the fear or shame of causing harm. Mm -hmm. But instead of leaning into that, we like Mm self-defend, right? So the response then can become very violent. And that, for the person speaking, creates deep shutdown which I can attest to doing to others in my past as well. Mm -hmm. We've shut down the ability to know for that person that it's okay to speak and be held in space. So those blocks can look like a particular volume that is not equivalent to when someone's alone at home in the shower. Mm -hmm. But also can look like exactly when someone's home alone in the shower. That has been even more of a tricky work for me. Hmm. Because the root of that is even that the person doesn't feel safe alone. Oh, I see. All right. Uh-huh. 
this is more prevalent than we think. Uh-huh. I have students or community members like, I know I'm supposed to say or share something. I feel it. I want to speak. I'm tired of not being heard. And I don't like the idea of singing at all. I don't like the idea of speaking at all. <laughs> Can we start there? <laughs> you know, so those are manifestations or things that I notice. But there are so many others. You know, I think that our current popular vocal culture, thanks to auto-tuning and also thanks to the commodification of culture and the repackaging and formulation of like what sells, we also have been trained to be homogenous. Mm. Homogenous in what we like, Mm -hmm. what is valid or holds validity, Mm -hmm. and not knowing many of us that it's very programmed because we're talking about single stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're mm-hmm. talking about a singular expression. Mm-hmm. So I think also what I've noticed or witnessed is because so many, especially when working with teenagers, my young babies, because we sing with the radio, mm-hmm. we sing with our favorite songs, the voice that they repeat, boy, oh boy, <laughs> you know, like it's specific to what they heard on the radio mm-hmm. and not their true voice, hmm. which either they're afraid of or they've never heard before, you know, which I did in college and when I went to conservatory, my God, to sound like Marian Anderson or any black opera singer, Jesse Norman, I thought that I needed to do that in order to succeed mm-hmm. because those were the acceptable blacks in a very white industry. And that was the way to make it. Not acknowledging how problematic that was in itself. Hmm. And how much of that desire to fit in and or to succeed meant the exclusion of so many parts of who I was. And getting to know my own voice myself. Thank God for the teachers that helped to do that when I was in college. Hmm. But I know that that root of wanting to be accepted or belong, mm-hmm. right? to be safe in the eyes or the gaze of other people. I like to think that maybe more of us feel that way. And so pushing against these spoon-fed ideas of who we are and what we're supposed to not only just sound like, but say, Mm -hmm. was requiring more courage, even more different than I think it was probably during the 60s. It's requiring even more now, because even in our movement work, we have to look alike. That's what I was going to ask you is like, do you think in the way that you were thinking about like, oh, I need to replicate this voice, Mm -hmm. like of these black opera singers, Mm -hmm. like, what do you think the activist voice is? Yeah. That people are like (laughs) singing along to the radio and trying to conform ourselves into like, what is that voice? I mean, it's interesting too, right? Because this work that I've shared and have have had the opportunity to share in terms of vocalizing and liberating voice has happened in various spaces throughout movement and organizing, you know, through the work of Harriet's Apothecary, through the work of Buddha's Peace Fellowship, through the work of Love Circle Sangha. And what is so beautiful about each of those spaces and what gets to be accessed is the ability to hold people's fatigue around needing to show up in a particular Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. That gets completely communicated in body, how we show up in our bodies and also how we speak or how we express. Mm -hmm. Especially with family community, I deeply love and respect who have stood in the front lines of very specific and violent protest. The need to take on a larger than life existence to support so many people that they're defending is real. And that shows up in even how one speaks or communicates. Mm And my experience, too, has been holding members of organizing and family community who are feeling a sense of not being in alignment with their truth in some of those spaces or positions because what they feel their activist and movement work is or sounds like Mm -hmm. is not what they've seen. So very specifically, it's like song is one of them. Uh Knowing that song is enough. Uh knowing that maybe the quiet holding, which is why healing justice is so incredible. This offering into our movement work is so powerful, right? Because to offer a space of rest, big up to the nap ministry, right? That that is our work as well. Mm. 
that the quiet, the soft, the still Mm -hmm. is also incredibly necessary Mm -hmm. to this work, to our collective healing and liberation as well. That's something that I've had more often happen when I've gone to conferences and done support work for various organizations, specifically through Harriet's Apothecarium. I'd have young family, community, or other members of the organizations come afterwards and ask, this is my work, the work that you're doing. I'm turned on. How do I help support this type of self-expression or this type of healing work? inside of our organizing, because I've not yet met what I'm really called to do. Mm-hmm. I've been working for these these organizations for many years, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I didn't know that what I do in my everyday or for my close intimate family was actually a contribution. I didn't know songs or you know, circle singing, creating designated space to do that type of healing work was a value to a larger scale of family and community. So to have those moments of witnessing that, witnessing collective excavation of grief, to witness the experience of sound, you know, because sound itself has its own healing property. So it's one thing to ring a bowl or a singing bowl, which is a powerful gift from so many different cultures and traditions, actually. But there's also an incredible offering that's made from sound that comes through singing or toning or humming. Scientifically, it's actually called sound conduction through the bones. So the reverberation of sound in your body has the same ability of like Reiki, Hmm. right? Or energetic healing touch creates the same sort of clearing or cleansing on a cellular level. So Many traditions, indigenous practices have known this. Limpia, for example, sound limpia, right, from our Central America and indigenous families throughout Central America, this practice of clearing and cleansing energetic or spiritual gook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that never is done in silence. Mm-hmm. There's always sound. And there's various sounds. So there's percussion, like from a rattle Mm -hmm. that shakes up and breaks. There's toning or chanting or singing that speaks to the energy that we're either with or we're calling in. Mm. So it's never been this static, quiet (laughs) healing practice, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which can be found in so many other traditions in Ifa, which is now my spiritual practice. I think that as more of this is becoming, I don't want to say like more substantiated or like considered real, which is unfortunate that we need science to prove that. Mm -hmm. We can't trust what we feel Mm -hmm. somatically. Mm -hmm. I think the more we're starting to lean towards sound and song um, as healing practices, Mm -hmm. and the more those practices are offered in movement and organizing spaces Mm -hmm. that aren't specific just to frontline when we're shouting to keep ourselves going. Mm -hmm. Those are intentional moments. What songs are picked in a a movement (laughs) during protest, those are intentional as moments, right? This is a different type of intention when you're bringing community together for us literally to tone. You know, singing one sound, changing the sound and color through everyone's individual expression because it's a communicating what they need at the moment, mm-hmm. right? Totally surrendering into the feeling of being held by this collective reverberation in the body and in the space to know that that actually I can feel, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. I think the more we experience that and return to that practice, So many of us, especially across the African diaspora, especially family and community throughout indigeneity, but all of us, essentially, the more I think we return to some of those practices, I think we'll be able to remember its power. So the first person, anybody, will pick a sound. And from that sound, we're gonna move it and bend it and shape it through your own natural expression. But this is not without forgetting the sound that we all are holding at the same time. So let me give you an example. We'll start by maybe singing. Let's try it. Hey. 
and we're going to keep doing that and repeating it, but maybe what will happen is the next time somebody does another sound or adds to it, it might sound like, but in the, in the background, we'll still hear this beautiful one tone. Make sense so far? Cool. think about when you were describing about actions the mm-hmm. um and i think you just listened to this too the episode that we did with the Flowbots, episode mm-hmm. 19 called mm-hmm. songs songs for the streets and one i think my favorite quote from that whole episode was stefan talked about how in a black lives matter march they used many kinds of different songs to hold the emotional spectrum mm-hmm. of their movement mm-hmm. and i guess i had thought about like action songs and i had thought about songs because of the tradition of the civil rights movement being used to recenter and reground people spiritually mm-hmm. when violence and tension are escalating mm-hmm. like songs as tools for nonviolence mm-hmm. to like maintain nonviolence mm-hmm. and i had thought about song as healing to hold mm-hmm. emotional spectrum like somewhere else like in a meeting or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whatever when you get together to do mm-hmm. something like that that's separate from the action stuff mm-hmm. so i'm just feeling compelled by your invitation for us to be doing more of that more thoroughly through Mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. That's a huge part why I was excited for this conversation because I don't feel called necessarily to have a ministry or healing practice around voice, Mm -hmm. yet I'm repetitively in a recording situation with people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I get all the time the, I don't like the sound of my own voice. I get oh, but you have a perfect podcast voice or you Mm. have a a good like yoga teacher voice Mm -hmm. or you have an X, Y, Z. And I'm like, I think that you think that because I'm doing it. Like, Mm. I don't think there is like a good or bad Mm. like sharing voice. Mm. Like, I think Mm. a voice that is sharing is a good sharing voice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm curious about if you're saying that people reflect back that they don't like the sound of their own voice because Mm -hmm. we hear ourselves revealed Mm -hmm. when we hear our voice. And Mm -hmm. like, what are some ways that we can bolster that more for people to support more love of our authentic vocal expression Mm -hmm. yeah this is awesome so why i called my studio my inside voice because it helps us to know that there's multiple voices and to make a distinction first the acknowledgement of our voice as unique and specific to who we are related and very relevant to our lived experience is a voice that is not communicated just through singing. Mm-hmm. It can be written, can be spoken or shared through dance, through playing an instrument, through cooking. <laughs> that voice is the same voice that gets silenced the most because we focus on the other definition of voice. Mm. We focus on voice through sound, singing specifically or speaking. So that particular journey to establish the value of our understandings through our lived experience, our stories, our beliefs that come from like an innate knowing or trust in ourself, that reconnection to that part of our voice can be accessed through this more audible, external, resonant experience. So I have had students come to me to remember that voice 
through this practice with no intention of being on a stage, Mm -hmm. no intention of recording, and no intention of being in a song circle. They wanted mostly to make sure that they were walking truer to themselves every day in their nine to five job Mm -hmm. or in their relationship at home. So it's not so much about getting it right. Mm -hmm. It's not so much about there being a particular voice to find outside of our own. Mm -hmm. It's not even so much about singing in tune sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's about the practice or exercise of doing it. everybody, this is Kate, just dropping in to this gorgeous conversation to invite you into deeper relationship with the work that we're doing here at the podcast. We are in such a deep and layered and um, busy time right now, to be honest with you. We just expanded our team. Um, Whitney Spencer and Jale Akovan joined us as regular part-time team members. Um, So we now have a group of workers on a weekly basis, me, Jale, and Whitney, who are producing this podcast um, every single week for you. And we're so, so happy that they're here. If you haven't met them or heard about them yet, you can see a post describing them on our Patreon at patreon.com slash healing justice and check out our Instagram at healing justice to see cute little one minute intro videos to meet all of us more fully. Um, And so we're so happy they're here. There are two major things going on, even as they're arriving and really uh, kind of jumping into the podcast work in terms of trial by fire. Um, One of them is that in a couple weeks, we are releasing our full transcripts for every episode that's ever been on the show. There is a hive of busy bee volunteers that have been working together for over eight months now, uh, including over 150 people who signed up all over the world, probably a really active top 50 that have really gotten this work done, to transcribe as a decentralized network of volunteers every episode and every practice we've had on this show. So our website, healingjustice.org, is about to go go from having none of our episodes posted on our website, which is a deep missed opportunity, (laughs) Uh, to having every episode, which is now a hundred and some, posted there for you with all the show notes, all the additional resources, bios and contact information for our guests, a player to listen on the website, and full transcripts. This is epic. This is going to be like a hundred, no, 1600 plus we're gonna have to total the exact number after it's published but over 1600 pages of documented transcripts of the state of healing justice work in this moment in history this is an enormous archive definitely going to be the biggest online free archive of this work i'm assuming archive of this work in general i don't think one exists that you have to pay for Um, and we're so excited to share it with you. And we thank so much the patience of our listeners who for many varieties of reasons have been asking for transcripts. You have taught us so much in what you've been asking for around accessibility, um, from a variety of perspectives. Our work is improved and our lives are enriched from being in dialogue with you over this past year about how we can make this show more accessible and more inclusive. And we're so excited for this move around transcripts to be one of those uh, moves that includes more community in this conversation. So in order to see those transcripts when they launch, sign up on our email list, healingjustice.org. That way when Uh, that whole new part of the site goes live, you'll get an email and you'll hear all about it. 
The second thing you're going to want to be on our email list for is to hear about our name change. Those of you who've been following along closely know that at the end of this year, around our two-year anniversary as a project, we will be changing our name. This week is actually the vote, the final, final, final vote of our advisory circle to uh, select and bless a new name. We thank you so much, each of you who have filled out um, feedback on our our intake form to hear about what this podcast means to you, the images it conjures up, the name suggestions you have. Um, so many people who've been in accountability and learning and building conversations with us over the past two years. Um, so many of you have touched and shaped and formed this new name. We are so excited to share it with you. So make sure you're on our email list. Join at healingjustice.org in order to also get the latest news around the name change. Don't get left behind and we'll do lots of communications work to make sure that you learn about the new name, understand it, can join into the story of it with us, um, and that we'll travel forward together doing the same work under a new name. Cool. So let's dive back into this conversation with B by listening to a song, again, from Prospect Park here in Brooklyn, New York, recorded with the group coming together called Song of the Spirit. My roots breathe deeply. I am connected to the core of me. My roots breathe deeply. I am connected to the core of me. My roots breathe deeply. I am connected to the core of me. One more time. My roots breathe deeply. I am connected to the core of me. So now shape it. My roots add new sound. Breathe deeply. I am connected to the discovery of the external for someone can be much easier than others. That could be, yes, through the affirmation or validation of our community and family throughout our lives. That, oh, I just say it again. I sing it again, right? It could be our sense of self-awareness or confidence or our level of comfort with being able to speak or communicate, right? Being able to be heard. Mm-hmm. It's just our level of comfort with that audible voice that I think is actually what we respond to when we hear someone with a tone that sounds soothing because there's comfort there or mm -hmm. courage there mm -hmm. or steadiness there. Mm -hmm. It feels like it's more easily able to be an offering to other people. Spaces 
that support us knowing the value of our each individual unique story is most important to helping more folks lean into sharing with more ease, Hmm. more spaces to know that folks can feel safe and held in their truth, more spaces that are brave enough to be in space of conflict (laughs) or disagreement Mm -hmm. and know that folks aren't going to be left or abandoned. Mm -hmm. More truth-telling, honest, loving, understanding spaces have been the places where I've experienced folks more willing to do group singing because we just did group sharing. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been talking about our hearts or what's been happening in our lives or, you know, we've leaned in after the 20th person shared and, you know, spoke about like whatever sadness or joy is in the heart. You know, where there's like that break, that opening rather in the heart or that expression, those are often the spaces where I experience people lean into this more audible expression of their voice. But again, yeah, I think we just all have different relationships to it. You know, the doing, as you said, people who do it, they do it because there's a level of comfort there. Mm-hmm. Why folks like their voice, they like it because it's been affirmed or validated. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that affirmation or validation or mirroring back, mm-hmm. even sometimes of its validity, <laughs> like mm-hmm. its need, supports encourages someone helps build the confidence around their voice Mm. so they actually begin to hear it through that lens Mm. it could be the same pitches the same crackling the same whatever yeah but it's it's that there's a feeling of um having a place yeah right having a place to share having a place to speak so that that judgment either way (laughs) it really hurts (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't support any yeah. of us in the long run. I'm having this memory now of sitting next to you mm-hmm. in the community room mm-hmm. at Third Root at this memorial for this beautiful human named mm-hmm. M who we lost maybe mm-hmm. just a month ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm remembering some folks who spoke up in that space mm-hmm. and you turning to people quietly mm-hmm. and saying, Thank you so much for sharing. That was really important. Mm. Like really mirroring mm. people who took particularly risks in mm. sharing, like mm. uh, mirroring that validation to people. Mm-hmm. And so I was tracking with you while you were talking about like that affirmation mm-hmm. or that mirroring because I'm like, oh, you're like low key, mm. like giving resonance to folks using their voice. Mm-hmm. Like that's part of your medicine that you're passing mm-hmm. out. <laughs> mm. um, and... Yeah. I don't know. Is is that something that you've thought about of like, oh, you make that move intentionally? I just experience vulnerability as being hard as shit. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like it's about what I know as a human being. Yeah. You know, it's it's that relationship between like, oh, I I feel you, boo. You know, like, and the the willingness to um, add, add more than, add the voice in the room right, add the experience, that personal experience in the room, um, that creates access, Mm -hmm. right? That ability to say, like, I'm hurting. Mm -hmm. And be be the first, second, third, fourth, and I'm hurting because, and that resonating with someone in the room that then feels like they have access Mm -hmm. to a space where they might not feel it before, Mm -hmm. which also happened that day. Yeah. yeah, I, 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 I feel a deep gratitude. Mm-hmm. I feel a deep gratitude when anyone decides or chooses to be themselves. Mm. I have deep gratitude when folks are leaning in and choosing their individual um, life experience story matters enough to share it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That leaning for it is, is completely relevant to me. Mm. You know, um, so I don't know. I've I've not outside of just knowing how it feels to how much it, how much again um, 
how much will, how much courage, how much internal force it may take for any one of us at any given time to speak our truth. Um, I totally give thanks for that. Mm-hmm. It's a they're mirroring for me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Actually, that day was a moment where they were mirroring for me that there was room. There was room for how I was experiencing that moment. They were helping me to know it was okay for me eventually then to ask if we could, if I could share a song yeah. or if I could offer a song for others if they wanted to join in. I think that's what I meant about how we are silenced through this collective conditioning of like one voice one story, one idea. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And how that has limited and or created such judgments that make us think that we are either more up, more appropriate for sharing song or less. Uh-huh. You're taking me on a whole reframe in my mind because like the way that I was taught to organize and facilitate and especially in big groups, mm-hmm. is like sometimes like a lot of the affirmation around like, hey, if you feel a concern about what's happening, like speak up or like mm-hmm. say something or whatever can sometimes spin out into a lot of individualism mm-hmm. because when we have to make like super complex decisions together and sometimes make them quickly, mm-hmm. like there always will be a lot of considerations. There will be dissenters. There will be, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think that these are kind of warring cultures within movement space mm-hmm. right now around like a principled struggle, kind of action focused, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. be a, be part of disciplined organization. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we need to move together and it's not like self-expression is actually mm-hmm. like an agenda of individualism. Mm-hmm. And then we have this other like healing and expression <laughs> piece, right? And like, and in my head, as you're talking, I'm thinking like, if I'm facilitating a room that needs to make a, a clear decision together, mm-hmm. like, first of all, we don't always have the time. And secondly, I don't know that always affirming everybody sharing everything mm-hmm. that they feel inspired mm-hmm. to share is actually <laughs> like, is that a route to <laughs> unity? Or is that maybe real. like a route to our top cultural value as a mm-hmm. group is individual mm-hmm. expression. Mm-hmm. And I feel concerned about that. Thinking about coordinating large groups of people to move together. Awesome. Awesome. Sometimes I've had the experience of having an opinion about a decision Mm -hmm. that was made. Mm -hmm. And I've sometimes had the experience of having like a centered surrender. Yes. That goes, I can actually feel that the group is moving this way. And I feel, I still have these concerns, but... I feel centered in choosing not to speak and derail the group right now. Yeah. And where do you feel that centering? I think I just feel like a width across my back mm-hmm. and like a a grounded belly mm-hmm. of like it and it feels like it feels like a as I've I call that feeling sometimes like a mini elder feeling mm. like 10 years ago I would have been like fighting for my perspective mm-hmm. no matter what and I still do that mm-hmm. now sometimes mm-hmm. like when, when I'm under pressure but I've also had the feeling a lot of being like well the group is just going this way so it's not even going to matter and right. like, and feeling suppression in yes. my body yes yes awesome I've been going on this awesome. journey while you've been no, talking <laughs> no this is great this is great and I and I think oh this is why I also said it's sound somatic practice right because if I have learned anything through the practice of singing speaking sharing with a lover that I don't like something or I need something I feel it in my body uh-huh. right and the knowing in my experience and from my teachers is that's where the truth is held So your ability to recognize what suppression feels like and that tightness Mm -hmm. or the cutoff Mm -hmm. versus this expansion in the back Mm -hmm. and in the stomach, this groundedness, Mm -hmm. is so dope. And I'm going to explain why. (laughs) So in singing, Mm -hmm. technically, if you were to take a voice lesson with me, one of the first things we would probably learn how to do is breathe Mm -hmm. after going through parts of the body. You would breathe into your back. Mm-hmm. This is the, fa- the fastest way and the most sustaining way to truly feel the lungs. Feeling into the expansion and the width. Spiritually speaking, it's also connecting to all of those who are with you. Mm-hmm. Second place, your lower abdomen. The <laughs> second place you pointed to. This is the space where we get our innate knowing, our strength, our will, 
and our root connection, right? Mm -hmm. To that which holds us and grounds us and keeps us like here. True centering in the belly. This is also just, you know, more technically speaking, this is also, I call this like the gas pedal. This mm -hmm. helps to allow with ease, with more ease in the throat, places where we like to squeeze or close or shut down, tighten around. This allows us to stay open, creating some, a little bit of pressure on the stomach or in the abdomen allows for um, all of our like um, force of moving the air through the lungs. It's a safe place to put force as opposed to the mm. vocal cords. Mm -hmm. right. So all that to be said, those two places you felt in the body mm -hmm. when you allowed yourself to listen into where things are moving, mm -hmm. to what's needed, to the feeling, the sense feeling in space with community. Those are the two places that I teach to help support someone get free mm. around what then wants to be communicated from the heart, mm -hmm. not the head. Mm -hmm. Difference in opinion versus I'm feeling called to express this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. This posture of back and stomach creates a listening too. You said you didn't speak, mm -hmm. you listened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if we're doing that individually, not only listening collectively, but listening in to the heart, mm -hmm. being very present and aware, discerning in our expression, is this useful? I had that thought many a times when we were in that space, holding and supporting M. Mm -hmm. And our family community there, is this useful? Yeah. Is this needed? I asked my heart several times, is this, am I supposed to share this? <laughs> yeah. Right. And I listened both by watching and sensing and feeling what was happening in space around me with my body. Mm -hmm. The most important part of singing is the listening. And we don't do it just with our ears, we do it with the whole body. Mm -hmm. So when folks say to you, wow, I just love when you speak, they're listening with their whole body. Mm. The sound you communicated has done something to their body. That's cool. It's hella cool. Yeah. And also means that there's a responsibility with that. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's, 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 yeah. that's the... Yeah, that's the mini elder feeling. As you're talking to, I'm thinking about also people's growth journeys and healing journeys and how those are all really individual and also trend specifically mm -hmm. around people on the receiving end of systems of oppression. Yes. Like, yes. And I'm thinking about, oh, like part of why I'm able Speak. to access Speak, a boom. sense of centered surrender is because... <laughs> I also have been able to access Come on. like affirmed speaking. Yes. Right? Like yes. So my choice not to speak has the option to not be a Yes. Because I have yes. the option to speak. Yes. And so now I'm thinking about like, oh, like when I'm holding a, a space, what like watching for the margins. Yes. And however shaky, yes. however not yes. attuned to the the group at that yes. moment, how important is that, that is it for us to be affirming for people yes. like Yes, this yes. is an option for you to share yes. all over this place. Yes, yes. And then to allow yes. people to really like test that. Yes, right. Um, the as listening. they should be testing The it. listening and the sharing. And they're all sharing. Just listening is sharing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right? If we're using it in a general context, like to share, share uh -huh. space, share resource. Uh-huh. My 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 offering is the listening. Uh -huh. My also offering can be the speaking. Uh-huh. Right. And so I, I, t I totally appreciate what you offered. And I also want to want to lift up, though, inside of the spaces where I've perceived who doesn't who majoritively doesn't get the chance to speak. I've been wrong. Oh, say more. Oh, yeah. I've been in space where folks who have experienced very specific types of trauma. May not look the way that we perceive. Mm hmm. 
And I, I, I might be saying some off stuff at the moment, but it's real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely real. Mm-hmm. Complex trauma is complex for a reason. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've been in spaces where a silence that is created by someone who is incredibly um, well-intentioned and a powerful-ass comrade or ally is doubled down because of the experience of sexual violence and assault repeatedly. Mm-hmm. So in the work of how I have to hold space and take up space mm-hmm. in this work that I do, mm-hmm. like in that moment, we all need the healing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what I love about sound is that it unifies mm-hmm. and it grounds. Mm-hmm. It centers in the body and it makes us see one another. So yes, I love singing songs all day. I love it. I love the words. I love words. For, I, I love it. But there is nothing, and this is a part of what I'll share in my practice for us, is like toning the ability to start with one sound, repeat it several times with the group and family, then allow room for us to express what needs to be shared, held innately through the expression of the body. Mm-hmm. So you could be holding one pitch, and we're holding it all together, and we've been doing it for a while. And then in a moment, because we've made room for that, you may offer la 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 la. Right? And that's a combination both of listening to yourself and what needs to be shared and listening to the group, but knowing you're held in this sound. Mm-hmm. So when you shared, like, yeah, having that individual, like, self-expression, is it self-expression or is it individualism? Is right? Are we separating or are we together? Mm. Where's our foundation? Mm. And where are we reiterating our foundation as often as possible? Where are we helping each other come back to what's our foundation and our center? Where are we reminding each other lovingly and mind, lovingly and compassionately to use mindfulness and discernment to listen in mm-hmm. to what needs to be shared and what's useful from a truth of our body, not from the mind needing to prove something. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah, I've been in those same the same exercise. Shoot, honey, I'll speak for myself. I've been like, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, just going in. <laughs> Didn't give a damn about not a person in the room. Couldn't hear the ground sound no more. The tone was gone. I couldn't hear shit. I could hear myself. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so that exercise went flat. Hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so what was required in that moment and what happened is that the ground tone had to become stronger mm-hmm. to help remind the person to come back. Hmm. Help to remind me to come back. Hmm. I know that so much of this work that you're doing is grounded in ancestor work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I would love to invite you to add that layer for us. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because it was in my head. You know, I think Song of the Spirit, like I said, has been a teacher for this. That same acknowledgement of our story is what's required like... Our indigenous family to this land and to Turtle Island expresses um, the value and importance of healing generations forward and back through our own work, which that awareness extends across the globe throughout indigeneity. That's what I was taught through my maroon Jamaican father, my Choctaw and Fulani mother. So when I ask folks to go on a journey of healing through Song of the Spirit, through these blocks that have come through generational trauma, systemic oppression, conditioning on large scale, in in addition to our individual day to day, we need more support than just ourselves. Mm-hmm. When my father transitioned four years ago, almost four years ago now, became very apparent that I was not alone outside of a desire to not want to be without him, he also made himself very apparent, very real in my life, to help me know that I was not by myself and the work that I was about to do would be done in tandem, would be done together 
with him. So in a lot of African and African diasporic traditions, we believe that ancestors see things we cannot see. Technically, they can. So if I'm allowing or trusting or believing that my ancestors, some people call them angels, some people call them guides, can see what's coming around the corner and help give me some guidance, why wouldn't I want to lean in and figure out how to hear them, how to see them, how to notice signs, to understand the relationship between plant life and animal life and spirit and ancestors. So it's more than just what I learned. Don't turn around that corner because it could hurt you, Be It's baby, we've turned around that corner, all of us, many times. Mm -hmm. We need to turn, we need to do something different now because that will not support our sustainability mm. and the generations to come. A very different conversation, important and necessary, that really reminds me not only of our interbeing or interconnectedness here in this world, but like in this realm, but like in multiple realms, right? Like we all connect it. So the value and importance of leaning into that work that may include not knowing an ancestor's name, may include never meeting that family because for some of us we're foster children, may include not liking that ancestor because of harm they've caused or what they've done to ourselves or other people. That work of leaning into that connection that's there regardless of any of that has become and has, I think, always been a very invaluable part of the ways in which, as folks who are fighting for liberation, we have gotten to do and gotten to accomplish some of what we've been able to accomplish. So yeah, I have members in class who don't know their ancestors' names, but Sojourner Truth is their ancestor, and speak to Sojourner religiously, our relationship to Octavia. I use, I've experienced in sessions using those entry points as ways to continue to grow our relationship to learning and hearing for the first time through dreams, through walking down the street, through meditation, a name of an actual ancestor. Hmm. And the process is inquiring from that ancestor what we need to know in order to heal together. Hmm. What plant medicine do we need to start to cultivate or plant ancestor that we need to be in relationship to that all of our people have used, but I've never known, even though I drink it every day. You know, what stories do I need to be abreast of that are remember, reminding me of certain conditionings that are creating the blocks that are in my body, that are limiting my not only my expression, but my truth telling and my truth living and my knowing that I deserve to be free. This ancestral work is a deep humbling and an honor and acknowledgement of all the resource we actually have to liberate, to get free, you know. Um, and sometimes we need those reminders. So it's been interesting to be in space and be in community who have varying relationships with ancestry, come from all different traditions and walks of life and cultural experiences and, and bring to the table through sound and song, but also through storytelling, their experience of learning more about who they are and who their people are for the sake of not only their healing, but the collective healing. So I've had ancestors, I have had folks in the room who are wrestling with ancestors who have been slave owners, absolutely. And I'm so grateful for their practice. Mm -hmm. Maladoma Somme talks a lot about this very often. Maladoma Somme, incredible teacher, shaman from the Dagara people in East Africa. He, he shares this very often, that the ancestors that have done the most harm want to do the most work. Mm because we all want to heal. So you don't know, one of my big sort of like invitations is I'm like, y'all call on Christopher. Somebody call on Christopher Columbus. Somebody better call on him. Oh my God. And be in conversation. Because we might be surprised. We might be surprised. There may be a conversation that looks like, don't do what I did. There may be a conversation that looks like I need healing too. There may be a conversation that looks like, yeah, that system that I helped to create, that's bullshit. Do something else. 
But if we're not talking to them because we are feeling guilt or shame or just, right? <laughs> and our disconnect, even to that, the healing doesn't happen. Hmm. So through sound, through song, through this practice, through our relationship with plants and, and, and the land, this connection to the unwholesome or the unfavorable or the trauma or the difficult is done in a way that feels like we're holding each other together. And that unified sound is that same courage that's then used to have difficult conversations with folks we know who haven't met before, mm-hmm. <laughs> who we're related to. The reason for sound in doing this somatic clearing, cleansing, healing work, it's really about it being a necessity, I believe, to how we are going to get free. Yeah. To anyone who needs it, and sometimes I know I need it myself, please know your voice, your story, your truth, your requests, your petitions of what you need, of what you desire, in the support of your healing, the healing of us collectively are all incredibly valid, very sacred, very necessary. Somebody wants to hear it. Yeah, when that silence takes over in a way that is really, really debilitating, we question maybe sometimes the value and the validity of our own lives. So the reaffirmation of the importance of each of our voices as an expression of our life experience is so important for us to do more and more. Thank you so much for your offering in your own cultivation of practice, Mm -hmm. the ways in which you're sharing and for generously sharing in this space with me and with all of our beautiful people who are listening. Thank you. So B, I know you have a practice for us that if people are listening to this episode right when it comes out, the practice will be coming out next week. Um, But if you're listening later, it's probably already present in your podcast feed. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what your practice is and what it's for? Yeah, this particular practice is for us to be able to feel our own voice. So hearing... We know, as we talked about in our conversation, um, is fraught with a lot of perception and judgment. But that feeling, as so many of our elders and teachers through GS, through somatic work and practice, have shared the feeling in the body is the truth. Hmm. So this offering will be, how can we get even closer to feeling the inside voice? Hmm. We'll be doing some pretty, like, wild and weird shit. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Awesome. But, you know, that's what happens in voice lessons. Hmm. So hmm. that's what we're going to do. Well, thank you. Looking forward to folks practicing that with us. Deep gratitude to B. Anderson for that powerful conversation. We are so excited to share with you next week the practice that is called My Inside Voice that be recorded for us. It's a really sweet practice that can be done privately or in a group. We will list in the show notes all of the incredible teachers and resources that be referenced, including Karen Rose at Sacred Vibes Apothecary, the Nap Ministry, Buddhist Peace Fellowship, Love Circle Sangha, Harriet's Apothecary, all serious leaders in conversations around healing and social justice work, all people you need to follow. You can check out those links in the show notes. Make sure to sign up for our email list at healingjustice.org so you can stay in the know around the transcript launch, our growing team, our name change, and probably a big live show and party event at the end of the year, Um, episodes that are coming out, new series, practices you can use with your groups or on your own for healing and growing into your social justice work. There is so much happening here. You're not going to want to miss it. Sign up for the email list at healingjustice.org. 
and make sure you follow us on social media at Healing Justice on Instagram. On Twitter, we're at HJ Podcast. And on Facebook, we're Healing Justice Podcast. This episode was masterfully edited by our new podcast producer, Jale Akavan, and mixed and produced, as always, by the faithful volunteer, Zach Meyer at The Coal Room. Thank you so much for your commitment to building movements that liberate all of us. We hope that this week you can start to move with your own voice a little differently. We love your voice and we need you to love it and nurture it too. Hear you next week. Connected to the core.